Hey, good morning, everyone. Beautiful, beautiful day in summer in New York. We enjoy it. We had a great week last week at the Adirondacks. Brandon did a great job bringing the word, uh, uh, delivering the word last week. And uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Brandon. And uh, we had a great week, and uh, we missed a lot of those big, big rainstorms, and uh, so we got to fish every morning. That's all I care about. And the only other thing I care about is I catch the most fish and the biggest fish, so God delivered. So very thankful for that. Um, I'm so glad that all of you are here this morning, those of you watching online. We're, we're in a series looking at godly character. What is godly character? How do we live out godly character in our lives? And what we're going to look at today is our attitudes. I am so glad you are here this morning. How many of you ever heard, or you, you spoke this to your kids, you need an attitude adjustment, right? Have you ever, have you ever had that with your kids? How many of you, um, you have this spiritual gift of complaining? How many of you have that? Right, I see you nudging your spouse. It's like, you may have been on, I, I, sometimes when I hit on something, you're like, the, the, the spouse is driving this and, did you, did you listen to what we were talking about this morning? Because that's exactly what happened on our drive here. We were complaining the whole way that we got up late and we're late and blah, blah, blah. And the kids weren't listening, blah, blah, blah. How many of you are competitive? How many of you like to win? Yeah, come on. You guys are with me this morning. There's, I know there's a lot of competitive people out there today. Kathleen and I, when we were first married, we played a lot of backgammon. And uh, for the sake of our marriage and uh, many years of marital counseling, we don't play backgammon anymore because Kathleen would like to win all the time because she is competitive. Some of you may not see that in her, but my wife likes to win. How many of you just, you love to win? We, we, it's, it's in us. We want to win. Some of us are very competitive. And what we're looking at is how our character and our attitudes, how they're linked together. And when we look at our attitude, many times things can cause us to just have bad attitudes or to complain. Or, or when it's competitive, we end up having a bad attitude within maybe a sporting thing. Or maybe you that uh, you love sports, it's like, man, I've always got to check my attitude because I want to win so bad. And winning, obviously, wanting to do well is not wrong. But listen, we can do a great job of maybe teaching or coaching how to do well in a sport. But are we teaching or coaching how to win or lose well? That, that's always the struggle because you can usually tell a great coach by the attitude of their players. You can usually tell a great coach by the attitude of their players. A good coach will correct bad attitudes. And that's one of the biggest struggles many times in our day and age. We want to win so bad that it ends up affecting our attitudes and the way we play the game. Uh, uh, Tim Tebow, just Heisman Trophy winner, played in the NFL, great competitor. More than that, he loves the Lord and he's a follower of Jesus Christ. But Tim Tebow said this, we can control a few things, right? We can control our attitude, our effort, our focus, and how we go about treating our teammates. See, he understands about attitude. People will look at the way you play the game. And you know the people that have a bad attitude. How often do we tell our children, watch your attitude? 
Don't be sassy. Don't roll your eyes at me. Um, I remember as a, as a, in a young age, my parents put me into sports, and one of the things my parents tried to instill in me was having the right attitude towards the sport. And my mom and dad cared about my attitude more than how well I did. They wanted me to do well, but they cared about my attitude. And I remember my son Wesley played baseball. He was in Little League, and there was one kid that was on his team, and his name was Tommy. And I, he had great parents. And I remember Tommy would be out in the field, and if we were getting shellacked, you know, the kids would be down and if, if it wasn't a, a close game. And I remember his dad would yell out so often, Tommy, are you having fun? Right in the middle, just standing out there. Are you, are you having fun? Because you could just tell they weren't having fun, right? And it's easy, it's easy for your attitude just to, to turn sour really quick. And I love that about Tommy's parents is that they made sure that they were having fun. Because at the end of the day, all the players on Wesley's Little League team, none of them are playing professional baseball today. <laughs> none of them are. They aren't. And none of them, none of them, went on to play D1 baseball. None of them did. And see, the problem is we can lose our way and we can lose our attitudes for the sake of a game. And what I appreciated about my parents is when I was upset or I didn't do well, um, or maybe I was upset with the coach or whatever it may be, um, they never had me entertain a bad attitude. They'd always correct my attitude. And they had a way of turning it around. And one of the things that my parents did well was that if I was upset with a coach, I never, or if the coach wasn't doing a good job or whatever it may be, or even a teacher at school, I never heard my parents talk about that teacher or that coach in front of me when I was young. They never did. What they would do is they would talk to the teacher or the coach one-on-one. And I think one of the things that can cause a bad attitude in children because they can't handle that emotionally. When they hear us as parents speaking critically against us, whether it's a coach or a teacher, whether or not there needs to be correction or that the teacher needs to be spoken to or, or the coach, when it's spoken to in front of the child, it can create a bad attitude for that teacher or that coach. And see, we need to do a better job Instead of speaking about people, speaking to people. And I appreciate that about my parents, is that they spoke to the coach or to the, the teacher, and they did not do it in front of me. Their expectations was do your best. That's all we expect. And some days you're just not going to do well. Some days you're just going to stink, right? You're not going to do well. And things aren't going to go your way, but do your best. I love you regardless. Good sportsmanship is seeing how we respect other players, coaches, officials. But in our world today, it's easy to value talent over attitude. Or it's easy to value talent over character. Over character. And that's what we're looking at today. As long as a player is talented, we can easily overlook bad character or a bad attitude. And talent can only go so far. So our attitude is linked to our character. Albert Einstein said it this way, weakness of attitude becomes weakness of character. Weakness of attitude becomes weakness of character. Your 
at, listen, is everybody with me this morning? Just checking. Okay, you're, you're out there. Everybody online, say amen online so I know everybody's out there. Listen to me closely. Listen, listen, listen. The way we act, and if our attitude is sour, it's reflective of something that's going on in our heart. It's a character flaw. It's a character issue. God cares about your character and how you live your life before others. So the question we need to consistently be asking ourselves is, how am I living my life before God? How is my attitude before God? Because God cares about your character. He cares about that. Character we defined it was, it includes our thoughts, habits, temperament, judgment, attitudes, uh, motives, and behavior. That's how we're defining character. And all these things make up who you are. And we need to keep a close eye on our attitude. If we have a bad attitude, or if we have an attitude of entitlement, it's reflective of something that is flawed within our character, and there's a disconnect with the gospel message and what Jesus Christ has done for us. So you can tell, I, I heard that, I was listening to a podcast the other day, it was pretty funny. Uh, this one person said, you can tell a lot about a, a person's character by the way they put back a shopping cart. Okay, I'm hitting on a nerve right now. Okay, now this convicted me, so I'm pointing the finger at me, right? How many of you do not put, don't raise your hand, because I don't want to, but how many, <laughs> Pastor Brand's like, do it. Um, <laughs> how many of you, you do not put back your shopping cart? You're just like, no, it's too many lanes over. I'm just going to leave it right here to ding the car in front of me, right? How many of you, when you bring back your shopping cart, you, you try to put that thing in, you shove, and you just throw it in there. How many of this, you, you leave your shopping cart there because you're like, this ain't my job. This is the job for the helping hands. This is their job to put back, right? How many of you felt that way, right? See, what they were saying was this about your character. It's pretty funny because it is reflecting of our character because it shows whether or not we have the character that is more Christ-like or a character of entitlement. Because the, the character there is, and believe me, I've done it a million times, I put it there. Now I've got to always do because I know some of you are going to catch me and like, hey, pastor, I saw this shopping cart. You didn't put it back. Um, so now, now, I'm, now I'm dead in the water. I can never, ever leave my shopping cart by my car ever again. Um, because it, it, it's a reflection of our character, right? It's a reflection of who we are about whether or not we see our life through eyes of entitlement or through servanthood. And so what we need to understand here is this. Our attitude is our mindset, and it's the thought of our heart. Our mindset should be wrapped around the gospel message. So what do I mean by that when I say gospel message? What the gospel does is it checks our attitude. When our attitude is wayward, when I feel like life is about me, when I feel like things aren't going my way, when I feel entitled, the gospel checks that. What do I mean by that? The more stuff you have, the more things you have, the greater the entitlement we feel. It's just the way it is. And we have to constantly fight against the spirit of entitlement because it will affect our attitudes and how we see the world. 
And I want you to understand here that the gospel checks this for us. I want to listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Philippi. Because what he'll do is he'll unpack what the gospel message is and how our mindset should be the same of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And when we truly understand the gospel and what Jesus Christ did for us, when none of us deserved it, earned it, or merited it, it changes our mindset. It changes our attitudes. We don't have an attitude of, of this expectancy that, that I'm entitled to all these things because of who I am or what I have or what I've done. In comparison to Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and how he's laid his life down for us, every single one of us should feel this sense of gratitude and thankfulness for what Jesus did for us. And what it will do is it will eliminate that entitled spirit. So listen to what Paul says here. And he talks about how we should live our life in a worthy manner. Philippians one twenty seven says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. What is Paul saying here? Paul uses this word, whatever happens to you. Whatever happens to you. And what he means by that is whatever Whatever circumstances, whatever you're faced with, whatever happens to you, it's anything that's unexpected or when things don't go your way. He says when things don't go your way and life doesn't feel like it's working out the way you want it to work out, he says make sure you still live your life worthy of the gospel message. Live your life worthy of the message of Jesus Christ and what he's brought to us. And here's the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for you and I. He purchased us back. Every single one of us was a slave to sin. And we could not save ourselves. That's the reality. Our sin shipwrecked us. And there's no way we could ever, without Jesus Christ find ourselves right or righteous before God without the righteous act of Jesus through the cross. And so what that does is it humbles me to realize I can't save myself. I, I am not worthy of his grace, but yet through his love and mercy, God gives us his son to save us. That's a humbling thing. That's the gospel message that Paul is talking about. Live your life worthy of that message. Have that same mindset of Jesus. Here's the mindset of Jesus. He sees his disciples coming in for the Last Supper. No one's washing each other's feet. And what does Jesus do? He says, hey, I'm the king of kings. I came down from heaven. You wash my feet. Is that what he said? No. What does he do? He gets down puts on a robe, a a towel around him, as only the role of a servant or a slave would do, he bends down and what does he do? He washes the disciples' feet. He says, if you want to be part of my kingdom, this is what you are to do for each other. That's the gospel message. That when Jesus saves us, when he heals us of our sin. And we have a right relationship with God. It's a humbling thing because none of us deserve it, earn it, or merit it. And what that does is it changes my mindset. 
It kills the entitlement that I have in my mind that I'm owed something from God. None of us are owed anything from God. He loves us purely out of his grace and mercy. Aren't you glad for that? Because if he didn't love us out of his grace and mercy, then we'd have to perform pretty hard for him to receive us. And every single one of us would fall short every single time. So how do we respond? How do we respond? We we are always going to respond with this attitude of Christ. This is what Paul is telling us. Christ is our model and what we should be striving for. So how did Christ respond when he was mistreated? Well, the way he responded was he he didn't fight back. He didn't demand his own way. He gave his life for us. How did he treat sinners? He didn't retaliate. retaliate. He, he, he reached out to them. He loved them to show them the way to the Father's heart. You see, when the Spirit of Christ is in us, our mindset changes. When the Spirit of Christ is in us, our mindset changes. We should behave differently from our old ways. We should be completely opposite of that of the world in their mindset. Listen to what he says as he writes to the church in Ephesus. Paul says, you were taught with regard of your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Everybody say amen. That's so true. He's speaking the truth here. And he says, to do what? To be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. You see, that's God's desire for us, is to be holy before him. Now, what does that mean? What is that word holiness? Yes, it means not to do the things we used to do. But holiness means to be set apart unto God now. We used to be part of the world, but now he set us apart. He sanctified us in his son Jesus, and now we are God's. We are, we are driven to live for his purposes We are driven to want to please him now. That's what it means to live a holy life. It means, God, I want to obey you. Are we going to mess up everybody's head? Amen. We are. But it's a a life that's driven to want to serve Jesus, to lay my desires down and to serve Christ. That's a life that's driven by the gospel message. And the spirit of Christ in us changes us to want to live a life that is righteous before God. Not performance-based, not trying to earn God's favor. That's already been accomplished through the cross of Jesus Christ. He's done all the work for us. Listen to what Peter says in his book. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, same attitude, same mindset, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. So Peter's saying we will suffer, but Christ suffered on our behalf. And so we can go to him, and he understands our suffering. We can have the same mindset that we know, listen, Christ suffered for us. I'm going through this difficult thing. I know that Christ understands my suffering. I can cast all my cares at his feet because he cares for me. My attitude changes. See, sometimes we can look at suffering like, woe is me, woe is me, and it's okay to, to feel those feelings at times, but remember that Christ understands your suffering. He suffered on your behalf. You can run to him and find comfort and hope in Christ that he understands what you're going through. My mindset changes. Because how many know that your attitude can change so quickly when we lose track of what Christ has done for us? 
And we get set, we can set our minds on the things of this world and they can just overtake us and this is where we get a negative and a spirit and our spirits can sour very easily. And then Paul, once again, to the church in Philippi, in Philippians chapter 2, says, and this, once again, here's the spirit of Christ. Here's what it looks like to have the spirit of Christ living in us. He says, he says don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude Jesus Christ had. And what what is what does Jesus Christ do? He served us. And we're to serve one another. This is the mindset. You must. He's not saying if you want to, if you feel like it, if you're having a good day, then then act like Jesus. But if you're not having a good day, then just act the way you want to act, right? He's saying, no, no, you must have the same attitude as Christ. So so why does God care about your attitude? Why does he care about? Because our attitude can draw us closer to God or further away. Your attitude. If you have if your spirit has been soured maybe by the church or by things that you've gone through, it will, it will pull you further away from Christ. If our life is not wrapped in the gospel message and understanding all that Jesus has gone through for us, understanding his grace and his mercy, that I'm going to look at my pain and my suffering and what's going to happen is going to draw me further and further away because I'm going to look at God to have to do something for me. And why are you doing this for me? And, and our attitudes can sour so quickly. And this is where we need to be careful about our spirits souring quickly. Life can sour our spirits if we let it. If we have an attitude of entitlement, I deserve this because of all I do, we will never be happy and we will be disgruntled. And what happens when we have a disgruntled spirit? We begin to complain. And we'll say things like, why is this happening again? Why is this happening to me? Nothing seems to work out for me. Listen, it's okay to call out to God when you're suffering. It's not what Paul's talking about here. It's not what the Word of God's saying. It's okay to call out to God when you're suffering. The problem is, is when my spirit sours. It's when I begin to say, why is this, God? Why is this? And not understanding that the gospel message says, yes, we will suffer at times, but take heart. Jesus has overcome this world for you and I, and we can have hope in him knowing that he is there for us. See, Paul tells us that life is hard and it's not going to be easy. But here's the problem. When I feel entitled or self-absorbed, I will be mistaken to see God's primary purpose is to make my life comfortable. That's a dangerous place to be. See, the gospel corrects this type of thinking. And here's how the gospel checks my heart from my spirit souring very quickly when things aren't going my way. You see, at the end of the day, the reality check is this. We don't deserve a thing. Amen? We don't deserve a thing. Everything we have, all our blessings, is purely by God's grace. Period. You were saved by his grace and his mercy. See, my heart begins to change when I feel like I don't deserve it, but yet God pours out his blessings over and over and over again. He gives us his son when there is no way out. God says, I'm going to give you a way out through my son to purchase you back through his death. We have so much to be thankful for. 
And what happens is when things don't go my way, my, my, my spirit, my heart begins to sour and I, and I begin to doubt God's blessings and I begin to doubt God's goodness in my life because I'm losing track of the gospel message. I want you to listen to how Paul describes Jesus's life in Philippians chapter two again. He says, who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. You see, what Jesus did is he chose to come He chose to serve. He chose to give his life. He chose to sacrifice for you and I. Understanding what Jesus did for you and me kills my ego or my entitlement. The more, listen, the more we have, we have to fight and resist against this entitlement spirit. The the more we're given, the more things we have, the more money we make, it's easy to have this entitled spirit. The more I do around the church or even when I give to the church, which is all wonderful things, I have to fight against the urge to feel entitled by saying, look at all I do. Here's the difference. So so you're going to say, Pastor, what's, what's the difference? Should I not say anything? What's the difference between a complaining spirit and an entitled spirit? Let's say you're at a restaurant, okay, and you get cold food. That's never happened to any of us, right? So you, you got some cold food. It's one thing to say, you know what? Um, my food is cold. And could it be warmed up? It's another thing to say, how dare you serve me cold food? Do you see the difference? It's the attitude. It's this, this entitlement See, an entitlement attitude says, I deserve this because of who I am and what I do or how important I am. The gospel message kills that entitled attitude or or when our spirits can sour. And see, the world is looking at us to see what our attitudes are like. How do we treat other people? We have to understand that Jesus chose to take the role of a servant. He chose to do that. He chose to humble himself. And when I realize that, it changes my heart and my attitude towards things. And people are looking for that. Listen, every single day, people are checking out your attitude. My, um, last week in the Adirondacks, usually every morning we'd go to this um, bakery and they have really good donuts, very good donuts. We'd lay hands on the donuts and they were fine. They were calorie-free. Um, we go to the stone place, everyone, and there was a there was a, a girl that was working in there, and um, my daughter uh, Lily was there, and her boyfriend Matthew were there, and they'd go in every morning and uh, be my supplier of donuts for that day. And listen, all I wanted—they have the best jelly donuts. That's all I wanted was one raspberry-filled, powdered jelly donut, and they would never have them. They were always out. I was ready to go down there and just have it out. With I'm like, yo. You know, people like to, can you just make enough jelly donuts to last a little bit longer so I can get my jelly donut? You know, I was getting pretty ticked off, I have to admit. I was getting a bad attitude about the not having jelly donut. So they'd go down every day, and Lily and Matthew would go in there, and there's a girl working there, her name was Sierra. And um, after a couple days, she looked at Matthew and Lily and just said, there's something different about you two. 
And so Matthew thought, wow, this is an open door. Huge open door, wide garage open door. And he just started sharing his relationship with Jesus, with her. And she goes, you're not going to believe this. She goes, I used to lead worship a long time ago. (laughs) Kind of walked away from the Lord and she goes, this week I started listening to Christian music and then you guys came in. And so then they got talking and and Lily and her exchanged phone numbers. She said, would you mind getting breakfast with my husband and I the next morning? And they did and encouraged them. All because of an attitude If I would have walked in there, (laughs) been a different scene, right? I want my jelly donut and I want it now. Okay? Do you see how our attitude when someone's hurting and they looked at somebody and said, there's something different about you. That's the spirit of Christ in us that the world sees that there's something different about you. See, it's not about the donuts. It's about people, right? And I can let, I know this is stupid, but I can let the small thing like a jelly donut get in my way of knowing that people are hurting, right? And need to see the spirit of Christ in us. Listen, you may still have the same thing that you're dealing with, whether it's a health issue or whatever. And somebody may go up to you and just say, hey, how you doing? And say, you know what? yeah, I still got this health thing and I'm still going through this and blah, blah, blah. You know, and you, you can have such a positive attitude, like, but the Lord's helping me. And somebody may look at you and just say, why are you happy then? Why are you still joyful with everything? I mean, your life is a train wreck. Why are, why are you still happy? And you know why you're still happy and joyful? It's because your attitude is in Christ and it's wrapped around the gospel message. And, and the Lord is giving you that peace and that joy in the midst of your difficult circumstance. He changes your attitude because Christ has your character. He's changed you from the inside out. That doesn't mean we don't show the world that we struggle just like they do, but we don't struggle without hope. We don't struggle without a vision. We don't struggle without a purpose. We know that this is just short-lived. You know, when you read through the word of God, God would always humble those who wanted to see his glory. You know that? Moses said, God, I just want to see you. I, I, can, you can I see your glory? And he goes, well, I'll pass by you, but you can't look at me directly, but I'll pass by. Because he so desired to see him, but it humbled him. God said to Paul, Paul, I'm going to, I have this thorn in your flesh for a reason. And the reason is I love you and I want you to experience my grace and my sufficiency. The reason was because Saul saw great things. He was taken up into the third heaven and to keep him humble, not that he needed to be humbled, but to keep him humble, God allowed that thorn to stay in his side so that he would rely on his grace. Listen, if you want God's spirit to reside in you, Let him humble you. Realize that we're completely dependent on him and realize that life gets frustrating and everything's not going to go our way. Amen? But God is with us and Jesus suffered for us. And if we have the same attitude as him, he will help us through it.
In his classic book, um, The Practice of Godliness, Jerry Bridges writes this. He says, As we see God in his majesty and his awesomeness and his holiness, we are humbled before him. In every occasion in scripture in which a man was privileged to view God in his glory, they were brought low or humbled in the presence of God. And that's what God did for Moses. That's what God did for Paul. If you truly want to know him, and if you want God to change maybe a sour spirit that you have, let him humble you. Let him humble you. Be humbled under the cross of Jesus Christ. Realize how much he's done for you and how God's grace is available for those who humble themselves. How do we know that the spirit of Christ is in us? Well, we'll walk in humility and we'll, we'll lay down our prerogatives. And God doesn't promise us perfection here on earth. He does promise us peace and joy in the mindset of difficulties. Listen, it's okay to point out the facts that you see or if there's a misjustice or something's wrong. It's okay to point out the facts. But let's be careful that it's not done in an entitled spirit. Let's make sure it's done in a humble spirit. The way we deal with the people in the world, let's make sure it's done with humility for what Christ has done for us. And I want you to think of something right now. Think of something that you might be frustrated with right now. Maybe something hasn't gone your way. Maybe you felt like you've been mistreated or misunderstood. Maybe you feel like life is unfair right now. How would, how would applying the attitude of Christ in those situations change your mindset? How would wrapping yourself in the gospel message and what Jesus Christ has done for you, how would that change your mindset towards your specific situation? Let the gospel lead you. Let the spirit of Christ fill you. And let the Holy Spirit kill the entitled attitude that can so easily grip our hearts if we're not careful. And let's live with the character of Christ in our lives so other people can see that we are different. Go out of your way to make someone feel good. If you see someone's having a bad day, try all you can to change their attitude by the way you live your life before Christ. People are watching you. They are. They see how you handle stuff. They see how you are at work. They see how you handle this stuff. Are we handling it in the attitude of Christ? Or we have allowed this life to embitter us. Allow the spirit of Christ to fill you today. And let's walk in that love before our world today. Amen. Amen. Father God, we come before you. And Lord, we all struggle with a complaining, entitled heart at times. Life is not fair. Life can beat us up so easily and it can just so permeate our hearts and pull us away from you. And Lord, I just pray today for every single person here today, whatever specific thing that they're going through today, whatever, wherever they feel slighted or misunderstood, Lord, I pray that we would come to you and allow the gospel message to be wrapped around our hearts, God, so we would see this differently. Break the entitlement in our heart that can easily grip us, God, when we feel things aren't going our way. 
And let us walk humbly before the cross of Jesus Christ because Jesus is our example. He paved the way. He showed us the way that we ought to live our lives. And he took on the role of a servant. Lord, help us to serve with that same mindset. It's it's so much more than just knowledge. We can have all the knowledge of, of Scripture within our mind, but if we're not humbled by it, if it hasn't changed our hearts, then it's just a mindset. It's something that we think about, but it's not truly changed us from the inside out. Help us, God, to walk with the same mindset and attitude of Christ Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you are there when we mess up. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness each and every day. We love you. We praise you and we thank you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said, can we thank God for his word? His word today is so good. Amen. 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 As we as we sing this last song today, just really look. I really want you to look at the words. Sing them from your heart of what Christ has done for you. Let his love permeate your heart and then let gratitude fill you that he is such a good God and he wants you to live that way in our world today. Amen. So let's just worship him and thank him for all he's done for us. Amen. So let's stand and let's sing this unto him. God bless you.